Welcome to the Operate Podcast, where we give you a behind-the-scenes look at company building from the perspective of the builders themselves. This is how we operate. Welcome to the Operate Podcast. I'm Kerry Ransom. Today's episode is sponsored by our venture studio here, Operate, which is a new tech startup investment and company building platform right here in Southern California. We've got a number of amazing founders, including one I'm going to have on the show today, uh, already in the Operate family. Uh, So if you're looking for help with your startup or opportunities to work with the next generation of high growth companies, or just want to be part of this community, you can go to operatestudio.com to learn more. I'm super excited to finally have Nick Pucolaris with me on the show today. Before we get to hear from Nick though, let me tell you a bit about it. He is currently the founder and CEO of Grin Gaming, which is a startup focused on revolutionizing the way that fans interact with their favorite live video content and allows them to compete on every play that's happening during the live action. Uh, It's now available on several esports that you're probably familiar with like CSGO and Dota and a couple others and even available now on traditional sport we're starting with NFL and there will be others coming soon. Uh, Nick is also the CTO at Grin and he's got an amazing background as a machine learning engineer at well-known LA companies like Sweetgreen and Flow Technologies. He also was an engineer at Apple earlier in his career, and uh, earlier in his career than that, he was a trading algorithm developer at the Chicago Board of Trade. Uh, All these experiences have really culminated in the kind of work and platform that he's building at Grin, and we'll talk about that today. Um, Nick and I are both Big Ten grads. Uh, out here in SoCal. So we, uh, we celebrate that often. Uh, he went to Michigan. And I'm super excited, as I sort of alluded to, to call him and his team at Grin Partners, as we are his first investor through Operate and are very actively involved day to day with the things that they're doing. And we are super fired up for all they've accomplished in the time that we've been together. Nick, it's great to have you on the podcast today and excited to finally do this. Yeah, good to be here, Kerry. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So I gave a brief intro to Grin. Let's start at the beginning of the story. What was your insight when you, when you really had the, the insight and the inspiration to start Grin? Well, um, great question. As you mentioned, my background is in trading. um, And even before I got into the algorithmic high frequency side of things, um, I was trading throughout college, uh, doing options and not really traditional equities, but more of, shall we say, high velocity assets. Mm -hmm. Um, So my brain is just kind of wired like that. I'm always thinking what's next, how can I sort of uh, game this or get ahead of this trend. Um, And whenever I'm watching TV or anything, really, I'm always thinking who's going to be eliminated? Um, You know, who's going to win this contest? And so it's really just how my brain works. Um, And I figured that I probably wasn't alone. Mm -hmm. Okay, so Grant is, we're, we're just getting going. Right. We're live, but it's just getting launched. 
as you've gone through this, because it's been a little bit of a journey already, you know, even before we met, you know, what do you feel like you've learned that will help you with the business as it unfolds? That's a great question as well. Um, you know, I think that it's easy when you're conceiving or, or creating a product, it's easy to, to think of it like a math equation. Mm -hmm. When in reality, there are so many more unforeseen variables to reference the analogy. Mm -hmm. um, there are just uh, the unknown unknowns. Um, you know, you can't see every single person using your product, um, you know, the end user. And so it's really a matter of building up your intuition and um, learning from the data, you know, how is this really being received? Mm -hmm. um, and, it, and it's, and it's um, you know, that journey starts kind of when the product development ends. So mm -hmm. developing the product is just the first phase mm -hmm. of that problem solving journey. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and I mean, the, the, I think what a lot of people have really started to buy into like the reason lean, lean startup is, has become so popular is that I think people have really decided, Hey, uh, my intuition may be pretty good, but I'm going to benefit by more data sooner. So if I get something out, uh, that's going to help me really get that more objectively. Uh, that, you know, even human beings have proved, I think, a lot to not be great at providing conceptual feedback or um, sort of saying and giving feedback versus what they actually do, right? So observing yeah. them in the wild, you know, in a lot of cases, people can't even explain what they did, even though yeah. that you, you can see it actually happen, right? So I think that's a great, a great point. Um, what what do you feel like you've learned about yourself so far through this? Well, I never knew I had this much patience. Mm. <laughs> um, you know, it's really, I, I don't know that I've learned any new features of myself. I've, mm -hmm. you know, being in this environment really accentuates or amplifies um, the personality and character traits you mm -hmm. bring into it. Mm -hmm. So I've learned um, to, to really not give in to my impulses as much. Um, and I've learned that uh, everything is, is, and especially in this business, there's no such thing as a sprint, really. Everything is a marathon. Hmm. Um, and there are a lot of cliche teamwork analogies and euphemisms. And honestly, they're all true. <laughs> Um, and so really, I, I've learned to, to dig deep within myself and conjure up um, things like patience and understanding and empathy, because just because I want to snap my fingers as CEO and make something the case, you know, sometimes I could do that. I could say, I want this right now, but the next time I go to that well, it might be empty. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that, I think just having that realization of uh yeah what's what are the downstream implications yeah. or, or is, is a great I mean, that, that's a learning because i think often um we don't learn that until we've burned that bridge or yep. or burned that person out and so i commend you for uh, for at least having some of that realization and, and some of it's about how you operate and how you lead 
right? Yeah. When you're when you're willing to take feedback from your team, uh, and you show them that 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 help or be vulnerable, that those are the kinds of things that that often uh, get get them to to take those extra steps as well. Yeah, and really, I mean, I think the only way to lead is by example, mm -hmm. really. And I cannot ask anybody to work harder than I'm working. Mm -hmm. So. You know, I feel like as CEO, I set the bar mm -hmm. and then I say, you know, beyond 40, 50 hours a week, here's where I'm at, you know, feel free to, to work up to that point sure. and you will be rewarded if you do so. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I think that's a great, I, I was fortunate to learn that early on in life in a family business and uh, that's definitely stuck with me uh, throughout. So that, that's a great, great point. So you, you, I mean, I mentioned earlier, you, you know, you've been in places that people would consider world-class like Apple, um, some, you know, really uh, high-flying companies, including one that just had a recent pretty successful exit like Sweetgreen and, and Flow here in Southern California. What have you taken away from those experiences that you feel like have contributed to you and, and your work so far at Grant? <clears throat> well, I think it's something different from every organization. Um, in reverse order, I would say from Sweetgreen, um, I learned how principles and core values can really permeate a corporate culture mm -hmm. and can elevate the execution and delivery almost magically from a group of people. Uh, it's really wonderful to see what John Neiman and the other uh, co-founders of that company have done in terms of culture and just how much um, amazing output from a group of people you can, can really get. Um, from uh, Flow, you know, I learned the, the power of agility and really how you can combine multiple problems into a common need for the business and then allow different disparate core units to feed off of a single solution. Um, you know, Apple is such a behemoth of a company um, and all of their amazing traits are already well known by mm -hmm. the economy at large. Um, so I won't bore the audience with going into the effusive praise of Apple, but at Apple, I learned some negative examples, honestly. Mm -hmm. um, you know, of a company of that magnitude and reach, um, you know, it's, it's impossible to get everything right from top to bottom. Of course. Um, but I, you know, mostly learned that some people really are drawn to that corporate culture and some are not. I personally am not. And, sure. um, you know, I've made it a point to attract people who are like me and to make sure that I'm delivering a family sort of oriented working experience. Um, you know, because, and this is a, uh, an interesting Gary Vaynerchuk quote that I picked up recently. Um, you know, most people, many people, um, even working for a startup, they just want a, a good paycheck so that they can go on about the rest of their lives and with dignity and mm -hmm. hard work, you know, in their sales um, and at their back. And 
you know, that's something that I really take to heart. You know, not everybody on the team has to be as um, energetic and intense about the vision. Um, and some people just want to, you know, have dignity in their lives and have a good paycheck. And, and I feel like it's my responsibility to deliver that to, to my people. Mm -hmm. I think that's a, that's a great, a great point. Yeah, I mean, one of the things I've learned from a lot of people having gone through bigger companies, um, in some cases, what they take away is confidence. And they take away and they say, look, what I realized is that the people here, they're, they're like me. Yeah. I, you know, I'm, I'm, I could be here, but I just don't want to be here. Right. But I have the confidence that I can go do it somewhere else. There, there, there's not something special about yeah. that. You know, there, there's a um, investor that I was reading about recently who is in Europe and he sends all of his founders to Silicon Valley early on to just get in the mix in Silicon Valley and, and experience it. And you'd think that um, he would do it because there's some magic pixie dust in Silicon Valley that they're mm -hmm. supposed to get. And he does it merely to show them that these people aren't any different Very and you can compete. And yeah. so I think that's that for, for a lot of startup founders, you know, if there is a value to bigger companies, uh, it's it often from my perspective is to just breed that confidence that I, I can do this. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's a and, really good point. Yeah. So we've talked a, a lot about with Grin, you know, building this product that people love, um, and you know, that you also have to, at the same time in, in the venture world where you're building this really high growth kind of business, building, you know, a business venture that also has really high growth potential, right? So sometimes those work well together. Sometimes they don't. How, how are you thinking about that in, in the case of Grant? Well, I think that high growth businesses are tightly coupled to technology. Mm -hmm. um, technology scales and for the most part, humans do not. Mm -hmm. And so when you're talking about the size of returns that are expected um, and baked into the mechanics of a venture fund, it's really impossible to scale a business that quickly um, without being consumed by labor overhead, mm -hmm. right? And so, um, you know, as a technologist, uh, I find that my interests and skill set are aligned with that. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I taught myself to code after studying math and economics in undergrad simply because I wanted to be the one executing the software myself to build a product and a technology that could propagate around the world in under a second, right? And mm -hmm. so, um, you know, I think that that's why the venture community expects these returns and why they've flourished in the technology age is because you can only really get that through technology and really software. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so, uh, yeah, I think, you know, for me, everything comes back to the technology and in uh, the initial incarnations of the business, um, there is a human technology hybrid in the way we were executing the business. Um, and immediately upon learning that, that we were onto something, 
my first instinct instinct was to lean into my technology background. I knew that we could never achieve sure. the uh, returns for investors who were necessary to build the business through the scaling of human operations. So we went back to the drawing board, or I did, and mm. devised a fully automated execution of the business we had verified had product market fit. Um, and, you know, it was really the culmination of all of my, you know, really hard work, honestly, over about 10 years was to prepare myself to be in that position to flip that switch and say, this works, let's fully automate it. Uh, so so much good stuff in there. I mean, I think the that even that last piece about hey, we we were willing to do some human manual things in the beginning, and I think there's a lot of evidence of do things that don't scale in in the early stages to do some validation to mm -hmm. to find where that little nugget of of gold is, and then. Um, it, you know, I've often been, uh, have said, you know, I love lazy engineers <laughs> because what lazy engineers will do is, and I'm not talking lazy in that they don't work. I'm talking lazy in that they don't want to do things over and over yeah. that they could automate. Right. And no, so that's... having that, you know, having that mindset like that of, Hey, as soon as we can prove that this uh, has it we see their scale let's go build the automation so that it can scale uh, yeah, i think that's, that's an important the, uh, voice to have around the table that's the dirty little secret of the software engineering world is the best ones are lazy <laughs> that's right that's right yeah uh, which is you know counterintuitive i think for a lot of people that haven't had that exposure um, i've been fortunate now over over 20 years to have worked with some great great folks like you yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just the 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 world or the concept even of, of software is such that, um, like I said, you can travel around the planet in under a second um, by creating something with ones and zeros. It's mm -hmm. we've just never seen anything like it. And so, um, yeah, for for many software engineers, that that um, laziness asterisks. Mm -hmm. um, you know, allows them or allows us to create something really strong uh, very quickly. Yeah. So Nick, this is your first time as a CEO. Uh, how has working with us at, at Operate helped you in, in really growing into that role? Um, I, I feel like I am the perfect candidate, honestly, for what you guys are doing at Operate. Um, let me back up. I think what you guys are doing at Operate is a perfect solution for the time. Um, just the stage of the industry, um, you know, 10 years ago, you could go to a VC as a qualified person with a great idea, um, and you could much more readily than today have that idea funded. Um, and see an idea to a product mm -hmm. without having to go into a lot of um, self-funding or things like that. Um, and you know, I think today the, the industry and the sort of space are much different. 
Um, but even as even with all the tools at the modern entrepreneur's disposal, um, you know, it's still difficult to go from zero to one, right? It still takes capital. And even if you have a great idea, as I mentioned before, even if you build the darn thing, that doesn't mean you're going to have enough to take to um, your traditional VC and say, look, I am this, um, you know, this person who's accomplished this and I built this thing. They're going to say, let's see the numbers. Let's see the revenue. So the, even with all of these tools at our disposal, there is the gap between what you can do as an individual um, versus what you need to prove to an investor is, is ever growing. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, I think that what Operate has really helped us to accomplish is to allow us to focus on the actual task at hand. And instead of saying, okay, we're going to build something just to show a metric, mm -hmm. right, to get money, and then we'll worry about the other problems later, we have the luxury of being able to say, okay, how can we plan our business and our product for six months, 12 months, so we can really maximize our chance of a successful exit, not our chance of raising the next round, mm -hmm. right? We're really building a high value business because we don't have, um, you know, a lot of the early stage pressures that a company in the wild, so to speak, would have. Mm -hmm. that's, I, th I think that's helpful to hear from your perspective what you've, um, what you've benefited or, or found the value in. I mean, you know, the interesting thing, as, as you know, is for us, Operate is somewhat our startup, you know, a startup of startups or, or a company <laughs> building company, as we, yeah. as we sometimes call it. And so we've, we've greatly appreciated the, the opportunity to, to partner with you uh, on it and I think it, you know you see it in the amount of time and energy and um, things that we we love to to put into that this we, we feel like we're part of the grin family as well and and really want to continue to help yeah and it's not out. just time and energy it's care mm -hmm. you know you know it's not just a nine to five thing you know these projects take living and breathing mm -hmm. and what's really special is that you guys care and that shines through. So thank you. I appreciate it. You've talked to, you know, I think you've already hit on some of these about values and culture. As you think about your operating principles, what, what, what would you say are your operating principles or key ones that, that you really lean on? Um, well, I mean, there are the obvious ones of respect and empathy and you know those types of golden rule things mm -hmm. i think that you know i found that you have to really allow an individual to flourish within the organization or the environment set somebody up for success and they will achieve beyond whatever rote um benchmarks you set for them mm -hmm. so if you can provide somebody an environment where they can be themselves where they can um check in or check out to the 
day-to-day business as much as they want. Obviously, a product person has to be more engaged mm-hmm. than a back-end engineer who can just take requirements and run. But um, if you can really set somebody up for success, and you know, I'm not a big Gary Vaynerchuk fan. I don't dislike him either, mm-hmm. but this quote mm-hmm. really stuck with me. Sure. Is not everybody has to be as moonshot as the CEO and founder does, right? Mm-hmm. Most people just aren't wired like that, and that's okay. That's right. And the more you can, um, you know, and I think it all comes back to respect and empathy. Like I said, if, if you really respect and empathize with the people you're working with, then it's natural to set them up to be in an environment that nourishes them, um, not only financially, but, um, you know, on a personal level. Great, great stuff there. So uh, we've, we've talked about this a little bit. I, I, you know, I wanted you to share with the audience. A lot of the people that uh, listen are startup founders or um, in, in some cases investors as well. You've had a number of conversations with potential investors uh, along the way, you know, some before we met you, some um, during the course of working with you. you know, people where you, you're talking about investing in Grin, as a starting point, you know, how has that experience been? Um, humbling. Hmm. Um, I think that starting, you know, getting into the founder CEO role in as a, you know, I'm not a young man, but I'm you relatively are. young. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I, I have gone from, you know, honestly, successful mm-hmm. professional endeavor to successful professional endeavor. And, you know, my thinking was, you know, I'm, I'm a capable, affable mm-hmm. person. Why wouldn't anybody want to invest in me, you know? And it takes that mentality, I think, to embark on the journey, mm-hmm. the long, arduous journey with ups and downs. Um, and it takes that mentality or naivete, if you will, um, mm-hmm. But as you sort of worm your, or as I wormed my way through this, this process, you know, the first rejection stung, and then the second one a little bit less, and the third one I realized, well, a lot of these people have different theses, mm-hmm. timelines, fund structures, personalities, you know, there's not everybody is meant to match with everybody, right? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, um, what were ups and downs um, are more of now, and naivete is more of now just a belief that everything will work out as it should. Mm -hmm. And if we stay dedicated to doing what we do best as an organization, and if we keep on promoting positivity and good results, then that matchmaking process um, will work out for itself as Mm -hmm. as it has for, many other organizations before us. Sure. Now, with that said, I totally agree. I appreciate that perspective. I think that's helpful. Um, and, it, and it can, look, I mean, you know, I think the market kind of says, hey, this process works. Uh, you know, the gritty, persistent, driven founders will figure it out. They'll rise to the top. The others that maybe were pretenders will, will fall away. I, you know, I'm a critic. I, I think it's wildly inefficient. I think there's so many things that can be done to make it more time and 
effort efficient and that that I do take issue with um, there you know there's too much groupthink there's mm-hmm. too much uh, lack of creativity or willingness to um, sort of help figure it out and I think that's what's led to some of the challenges around more diverse inclusive opportunities um, but you know it, it is the system we have and I think your your attitude about things will work out, you know, the way they should. And, and yeah. all we can do is control what we can control, I think is a, is a healthy attitude. And certainly one that I think will ultimately um, get you to um, find fans and, and champions like us in your corner, which I think it always helps when we have people that want to help us succeed mm-hmm. as well, right? Yeah, and I'm glad you mentioned that. I mean, I am under no illusions. I am privileged <clears throat> to have the resources mm-hmm. to slog through it all. Um, my counterpart born somewhere else or at some other time or to a different situation sure. may simply not have that um, privilege. Mm-hmm. And so I think you're totally right. And I'm glad you mentioned that it, it, it is, um, you know, I think it is time for a more, holistic approach to the company creation and financing practice. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think what you guys are doing at Operate is great because, you know, it really is a joint venture. And Mm -hmm. just because an entrepreneur doesn't have all the answers doesn't mean they're dead in the water. That's right. When you're pitching to a traditional VC, they say, I love 19 of those pillars of your business but that one pillar I don't like it you're done Mm -hmm. and what you guys say is no you know you have it mostly correct now let's work on that one thing that may not be there um and I think that's a really marvelous uh, mentality I appreciate it yeah I I think the way you encapsulate it makes uh makes a ton of sense to explain I, I think that that is a key difference that uh that we really believe in and, and try to live by as well. As you have, I mean, I, it is though great to be out and have those conversations like you have sometimes to just get feedback. You're right. A big part of what I try to have done for most of my career, I, I consider my learning process a very synthesizing one where I, I often have a point of view, I, I you know, or an opinion, you know, strongly, strongly, uh, developed loosely held type of opinion and i'll often use conversations as a as a way to synthesize that and and get feedback how how are you feeling like you're getting feedback um to help you improve and and hone the story yeah it's um you know it's stereoscopic it comes from all mm-hmm. angles um sometimes all at once <laughs> um but you know i think Speaking from the external sense, you know, one positive of the VC, traditional VC process is most people are pretty darn honest Mm. and they won't pull any punches. Um, And I think that's intentionally so, you know, these Mm -hmm. people understand their position of power in the lives of burgeoning and sometimes desperate entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. And they realize that the best policy is honesty. And you could save someone a bunch of headache by just telling them what you're thinking. 
And it does, it um, does, it's not always welcomed, I'll be honest, but I do, <laughs> I do subscribe to, I mean, you know, stylistically, you could try to, try to do it in a kind way, but yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. yeah. And I mean, at the end of the day, um, you know, the traditional VC folks, I mean, for whatever you may think of them, they're smart people. Mm -hmm. And if they've got a strongly held belief or even a moderately one, a moderately held belief, it's, it's not uh, out of thin air. Um, and so, you know, even the feedback I disagree with, or I take to heart or, or um, the feedback I disagree with, or, you know, think is out of left field, I still take it to heart because they're not the only person that's thinking that mm -hmm. they could be misinformed or on a different planet. But because they arrived at that conclusion, I did something wrong. Mm -hmm. I, I misled them to believe that. And if I did that, if they arrived there, somebody else is gonna arrive there too. That's right. Um, now, you know, within Operate, um, you know, it's still the same rigor, really. It's still the same, um, you know, the same intensity, honestly, but um, I love that we have a conversation about it, right? It, it, mm -hmm. There is a meeting of the minds and a dialogue around um, these points of contention. And they're not really points of contention. They're, we're all on the same team. But, you know, I love that we can follow up and track things. And, hey, this is my hypothesis. Okay, here's mine. Let's check in every third day about this as we see the numbers roll in or as we see mm -hmm. this develop here. So, you know, it's really... Um, it's less of feedback really. And it's more of just these um, constant conversations that draw out over weeks and months. And really, you know, it's nice to see them reach a conclusion, right? We all entered this, nobody knowing which was right, A or B. And now we, you know, set up a hypothesis. We set up a, an experiment. We got the data in and now we know. Uh -huh. And everybody's wiser um, thereafter. Absolutely. Well, I'm, I'm incredibly excited. You know, I, we were, we were talking earlier today about where, you know, where we are with Grin, where the product is, how much fun I'm having playing it at times. What do you have ahead of you as you think out and go, man, I'm so excited about this over the next couple quarters. Well, I'm really looking forward to actually watching The Bachelorette with my girlfriend, <laughs> since I can wager on whether or not this guy will get drunk or this girl will cry. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I really, I really believe in what we're doing. You know, mm -hmm. it uh, sounds corny, um, but I think that every piece of content, every piece of media can be enhanced and made more enjoyable by the existing viewers, as well as an entirely new segment of folks um, who are willing to watch something if they can wager or predict it, wager mm -hmm. on or predict it. And so, you know, I really look forward um, to a future where, where that's possible. And I think we're seeing the industry, um, you know, or specific industries within the media space go in that direction. Mm -hmm. um, but to be completely honest, I want to wager on whether 
you know, this chef is going to go home on the next round of Chopped. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, how many swear words this contestant's going to say on Survivor during the elimination. Um, I really, truly believe that there is a, a need and a, and a utility for uh, the product we're building. And I frankly just want to use it on my favorite pieces of media. Mm -hmm. I, I love it. I love it. The company's going to clearly grow. Um, as you think about the roles that you're likely going to need to hire for uh, over the next six months to a year, what are the things that you, you, know, you see adding to the team? Because I think we're going to get a lot of people interested. Sure, sure. Well, um, one, of my, uh, one of the things I'm proud of about myself is, is I know um, the things that I'm not good at. Hmm. And so, you know, I already have, um, you know, plans for hiring that we would like to do, uh, call it Q3 2021. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I'm very much an engineer at heart and I love building and I love creating and, and innovating. Um, and so we are really going to be looking to build out our business development and partnership arm, mm -hmm. if you will. Um, you know, I think we have a very clear sort of linear path over the next two quarters. Um, and if all goes according to plan, uh, we will have opened Pandora's box, right? Mm -hmm. And basically the in entire media industry is a potential candidate for Grin Gaming. Mm -hmm. Now there are certain nuances about that, that pipeline and, and who would be better suited when. Um, but, you know, I'd really love to have a right-hand man or woman to help plan our uh, eventual media empire. Mm. Very cool. As you think about your own motivation, I mean, you know, you talked about, you know, you just, you totally believe you're, you're in love and, and would just love to use it on, on all these different media types. What, what drives you and your motivation? What, you know, what's keeping you motivated to, to work on this every day? I honestly just love building. Mm. I love putting together an extremely complex plan and creating something that nobody thought of, let alone thought was even possible to build. Mm. Um, and so I guess you could say I'm a dreamer. I love dreaming up these beautiful systems and using math and computer science to execute them and allow them to run autonomously into perpetuity. So I'm very at home in this current project and the current task at hand. Um, and so I am motivated by just the whole process planning, execution, solidifying, and then using that as the shoulders of the giants, so to speak, to look into the future. We have this base. How can we build something even more incredible and something that will be even more revolutionary? Hmm. And of course, you know, all of this is in the, the context of a viable business, right? Mm -hmm. And I see that as part of the problem-solving constraint. It's just another constraint on the problem solving is building something that's highly innovative while also 
satisfying the core needs of the revenue producing um, you know, operation. How do you keep yourself sharp and you know, how do you stay in, in tune with what's going on from like an innovation in, in new technologies standpoint? Reddit. <laughs> All right. Um, I'm a bigger Redditor and um, yeah, Reddit and also I just read a lot. I read probably 10 to 40,000 words a day. Hmm. Um, and yeah, I think really the, the secret to anything is reading. Um, and so when I'm interested in something and I want to learn more or something kind of tickles my fancy, I just read a lot. And then I Wikipedia things and then I keep on reading. And so the way that the centralized source that helps me do that is Reddit. And um, I'm a big fan. Okay. We're... we're I think, you know, this is a, a great way to kind of close this conversation. Um, last question I would have, you know, when you think about an entrepreneur, you're obviously one, you're, you're starting to build a, a great business that will evolve into a great company and you're building this operation. You know, what, what do you feel like is the one thing that you think entrepreneurs should focus on when they think about their operation? Because it's, I don't think it's always the same view, but I'd love to get your view. Well, um, this is a different answer than I would give a year ago and mm -hmm. two years before that, but you really have to focus on yourself because that is literally the only thing you have full control over. Mm. There are going to be a myriad of external pressures, forces, unpredictabilities, and those are always going to be there. And the, you're never going to be able to control them for the most part. Mm -hmm. The only thing you can control is your response, your reaction, and your emotional status as a result of the uncontrollables. So from an early stage, get comfortable with being introspective and find your find your zen your mantra your whatever and just know that everything else around you is going to be changing and for the most part unpredictable um but you need to focus on your response to it so good well nick thank you so much for joining me thanks for having me and sharing your perspective and for launching grant i mean we couldn't be so we couldn't be more excited like we we absolutely are speaking are for just, my team as well we yeah. love working with you guys every single day day in and day out it's literally an extension of our team and our family um right. i could not be happier and speaking for the rest of my team um you know they would agree yeah well such a fun conversation so yeah. much more to be written here and uh to grow our family together. Uh, you know, thanks for joining me on the, the pod today. Thanks for having me, Gary. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Operate Podcast. If you like this conversation, as a favor to me, you can rate us, review us, or subscribe, or tell your friends. You can also reach out to us on Twitter at Operate Podcast. Until next week, get out there and operate.